camera and keep it there, I, I would certainly do that. I just kind of have it sit on my shoulder. Like you know? a little parrot. Hi, everybody. I have to develop my deltoids. If I, I just thought, sit up there. I remember you have your John Wayne coffee mug, so I thought you could Can't combine the wrong. two. Can't go wrong at all. Anyway, so because this is our I last... was just thinking yesterday about how the shepherds in the, ah. in the fields remind me so much of the of, of all the westerns when the drovers come into town and nobody really wants the the, the, the cattlemen, the cowboys who come in because uh, they're kind of rough, riffraff, right. and that's kind of like when the shepherds go into Bethlehem. It's, it's the lower class. You don't really want them around. You know, same kind of vibe. So then I started letting my imagination go what if we did a retelling of christmas story as a western as a, a american who, western who so, did this who would be doing this dallas jenkins i think and probably you know dallas jenkins in i thought you meant like people at our in church coordination like, with me. the with the uh, um, uh the what are the the kendrick brothers hmm. get them all together make Just this work slinging little guns around their and fingers. kevin sorbo and dean kane could be in it Oh, I'm kind of stoked. Or uh, what's wow. his name from Pure Flix? He, he, you know, he'd probably Kurt be Cameron? into it. <laughs> Kurt Cameron no, could the be guy in that, it. Uh, the guy that runs Pure Flix, who oh, also wow. is an actor. But okay, okay. Well, write the screenplay. And, Two middle uh, names. I can't think of it right now. But anyhow. Oh, you can see both of us much better on YouTube. Our full, our full forms. There you go. Anyway, uh, so yeah, this is our last episode before Christmas. Yeah, we'll take a little uh, mini Christmas break here and take the next uh, a couple long of weeks winter's off. nap. You're supposed to get a pretty bad storm, from I what I hear. I love a long winter storm. Same. That only happens after Christmas. But Same. But we are supposed so. to get a pretty bad storm, from what I hear. It's time to call Rudolph. We'll see. It's, you know, that's the basis of so many claymation children's specials when I was a kid, or the Rankin and Bass specials. I don't think claymation By was really way, a thing yet. But Yeah, it's not really claymation. Yeah. Uh, so many people on TikTok are doing, like, Re, not remakes, but renditions of that. They're like, you know, the people that can like move their body, like whatever. And so they're playing like one foot in front of the other in the background, like moving their body, like they're part of it. It's really yes. cool. People are really talented. I and could, I, I realized that I have Emma none. I doing this. <sighs> anyway. So. so yes, it is our last something to talk about before Christmas. It is. And, and as we are, um, you know, kind of working through this, we followed this Advent theme and we've, we've looked at uh, the promise of the Christ. And, and this whole idea is exploring the question from the song, from the hymn, uh, what child is this? And, that, and, child what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, which did Shelly talk to you about doing your song on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning? She said it was a possibility okay. for Christmas morning. Okay, good. So for <laughs> you sure, all needed to know that. <laughs> lo locked in on Christmas Eve. Right. So definitely check it, check okay. it out. If uh, those of you who are paying attention here, check the live stream at the uh, Real Life Community Church uh, in Three Oaks YouTube channel uh, or on our uh, Facebook, Facebook page. If you're not paying attention, it'll, it'll what's be, wrong with you? It'll be uh, live streaming both places there. Uh, my daughter-in-law Kayla said she thinks this is the best song that she's ever heard you write. And, really? Yeah. And, uh, News to me. I think Thanks, she digs Kayla. that kind of minor key vibe that you got going with it. I wrote it um, in six eight specifically for your son because he <laughs> likes to play six eight. He does. Uh, he does oh. dig the six eight. Hates the three four. <laughs> yeah. Loves the six eight. It just makes no sense, but okay. But anyway, uh, you know, really enjoyed it. I, I was just going over the lyrics again the other day. Uh, did an excellent job of capturing the four themes that, that we were looking at. And so we started by as we're trying to seek a, a better understanding of the Christ who came. Uh, we started by looking at the promise that that 
uh, it was always God's plan that the Christ would come. And so uh, as we walked through you know, the promise, even from Genesis 3, as soon as sin entered the system, as soon as there was a curse, there was a promise. And, and even before the promise, Christ was already existing as God. So he, he was... Um, he was the word. He was with God in the beginning. He was God himself. And so that uh, will get developed in, in week three as we look at his presence. But as we as we see everything that uh, that is Christmas, it really hinges on the fact that Jesus was never plan B. He was always plan A. This was always what, what, what God had in mind. Uh, and he was promised from of old and uh, his his. Uh, his reality, the reality of Christ, uh, was never not, and so he, he was uh, from eternity past to eternity future. And then we looked at at uh, the the purpose of Christ's coming that Christ would would save his people from their sins, and so um, we saw in in Matthew one twenty one that this was the name that he would be given, that, instructed by the angels. So God has the angel Gabriel explain to uh, to Joseph and Mary, you're going to name him Jesus. And we see specifically in, in, in Matthew's account, talking to Joseph, uh, you're going to name him Jesus, which means God is our salvation or God saves uh, because he will save his people from their sins, which is a, a very clear clarification, I mm -hmm. think, of some of the messianic misunderstandings that they would have had at seeing uh, the Christ, the Messiah, as uh, specifically a political leader. And, right. and, and that's not not part of it. And, and as you look at the prophecies, particularly in Isaiah, and we'll talk about that today, uh, of the government being on his shoulders, clearly there is a political ruling aspect to it. Um, and yet Jesus being born in Bethlehem specifically was, as Jesus himself said in, in uh, Luke 19.10, he came to seek and to save the lost. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if he hadn't come, then what we are looking at this week would only be bad news. You right. know, if, if sure. it weren't yeah. for the reality uh, that Jesus came to save us, that was his purpose in coming in his first advent, was to come and save us, to offer grace, to offer mercy to a rebellious, sinful people who are separated from God and, and incapable of saving ourselves. There's no religion or any, any good things that are... Oh, oh, man, I got to tell you, I don't like it when it's not centered. It drives me nuts. We didn't even talk so, about our Christmas tree background. Wow. Yeah, that's right. We are, we're <laughs> live on location in the same room, but without our uh, without our podcast background. We thought and, we'd be a little festive. There you go. Uh, and yet I forgot my Santa cap. No. So anyway, as we see the 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 purpose of Christ in saving us, that becomes super important because the the third week we looked at God's presence. And if if Emmanuel is God with us and the holy God is with an unholy people, then the unholy people are doomed, mm -hmm. right? And we, we see that even more so uh, when we look at the fourth week uh, in in the power that, that Christ will return to, to reign in power. And so um, the prophecies that we so often I use, wish it would be now. <laughs> Well, I mean, the, yes and no. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the beautiful part of, of his coming back is that there will be no more sin. There will right. be no more suffering. There will be no more sadness. All of the enemies of God will be destroyed. The bad part, and this is, uh, you know, we're, we're actually uh, exhorted this way in the Old Testament, you know, don't long for the day of the Lord right. to come because what that means is no more mercy. Right. The mercy is over. And so all of our loved ones who don't know Christ, 
They're dead in their sins. They're separated from him for eternity, and the wrath of God will fall on them in ways that we can't we can't really even fathom right now. We sure. can't our minds can't take that in. And so as we're I mean, you just read Revelation, you're like, whoa. Well, I mean, what you well, can't even, you can't even you get, like come to the like how is this right. even possible? Yeah, it's usually the, in, in the apocalyptic writings, we, there's a lot of imagery right. that, that is um, designed to help us with finite language understand infinite principles. But it's and, like, and to be able to see uh, in these descriptive uh, metaphorical type terms, uh, some literal realities. But if you go to the Old Testament prophecies, um, Daniel's also apocalyptic in nature in, in his prophecies. But when you look at Isaiah and, and uh, Zephaniah and Malachi, and, and you know, uh, even even looking in in Numbers, you know, when Balaam uh, speaks of the star and the scepter and the Christ will come. Uh, you're talking about massive bloodshed. Right. I mean, everyone who is not united to Christ by faith destroyed in in just utter uh, violence and judgment and wrath because that's what sin does. Uh, someone just asked me uh, yesterday or Monday. Yesterday was Monday. Yeah, it all blurs together. So, you know, Saturday, <laughs> you know, Sunday, we've had so many choir practices and, and uh, programs and all that kind of stuff. I don't know what day it is. Uh, it is what Tuesday, year is right? it? <laughs> what year is it? Robin Williams. Um, what year is it? I've got to grow my beard out for that. <laughs> but anyway, as, as we're... <laughs> so anyway... Proceed. I'm pretty sure he had a wig on. But <laughs> as, we're, as we're looking at all of, all of this stuff... Uh, it's just, it's overwhelming. And, and someone had asked me in the last couple of days, avoiding the dating thing, um, why so much bloodshed in the animal sacrifices? And, and the short was, answer- Was it my mom? It was, yes. Because <laughs> she talks about uh, um, that a and, and it's supposed to be shocking to us. It should be horrifying to us. Well, and you have to think it must have been constant. It was because, yeah, you know. just just a constant thing. Um, millions of people, particularly before Israel was spread in the right. diaspora, uh, you know, when, when we see a concentrated nation, just the the, the constant incessant sacrificing, uh, and it's not like it was every moment of every day because there you know there was a schedule to it. But as you're doing it, massive amounts. Why? Short answer, because sin is ugly and bloody and horrible. Well, and even, we needed to see even looking back to Genesis, and you touched on this throughout the Advent season at some, I think maybe it was the first week we were talking about it. When, when Adam and Eve sinned, God had to kill animals to give yeah. them clothing. Yeah. And, you know, that's. So you have right. your initial right. animal sacrifice. The, and, you know, what, what they sought to do in covering themselves with fig leaves was insufficient. And. Not, not exactly rocket science. <laughs> Hiding from God was insufficient. Trying to cover over our sins ourselves was never going to work, and it never has. But when we understand the monergistic nature of salvation, that, that there, is, there is a single um, effective source here, uh, a, a, a prime mover, if you will, that our salvation comes from God. Mm -hmm. And that's the picture we have all through the Old Testament. Before you're even talking explicitly about Christ, every act of salvation comes from God. Mm -hmm. Even when God uses a, a human intermediary, like for example, Moses, uh, right. you know, as Moses, you know, takes his staff and, and strikes the, the Nile river and it turns to blood or strikes the rock and the water flows. God didn't need that. Right. You know, 
he created the world, pretty sure he can handle his his things. Never needed that. And and we see it clearly when God acts without uh, without this mediator. But all of the saving acts come from God, including in the animal sacrifice. The animal sacrifices didn't buy right. grace or forgiveness. It was part of the process. But ultimately, the forgiveness was still the grace of God. All of it was that. God choosing Abram, God choosing the nation of Israel, God uh, revealing himself to Israel and not to others. All of these things were God doing what God was doing. And that in that same way, um, we see our salvation in Christ is God doing it. God, God offering his son as the sacrifice while we were yet sinners. When we were sinners, we're not seeking God. Right. Sinners don't seek God. It, we can't see God. Our hearts are too sinful. We don't want what God wants. So God changes us, like the video we were talking about earlier that my daughter posted about the baby first getting glasses and fighting and resisting. And, you know, I hate this. And then you put the, put the uh, glasses on and, and I think it was a female baby. I don't yeah. really know. So I'm going to say her because she was cute. So I'm going to call it her, her anyway. Um, and, and her eyes open and she sees and it's like, whoa. Right. And this baby's now filled with joy. You see the happy face right. come on. The same thing happens when the Lord takes hold of our heart, mm -hmm. when, when he connects with our spirit and says, okay, this one, I'm going to open their eyes. I'm going to take that, that heart of stone and I'm going to make it a heart of flesh. I'm going to cause you to be responsive in a way that, that I can't do on my own in my sin. Right. So it really is... Uh, initiated by God, affected by God. Our salvation is from God. And in a very real sense, the only thing, the, there is no effort on our part that contributes to it. The only thing we bring to the table is the sin that made it necessary. Mm -hmm. There's no other part of salvation that has to do with us. Uh, and so when God chooses us and causes us to respond in choosing him, did I really choose him? No, he chose me and I was able to, to see that because if I think for a second that I have enough holiness in my heart, enough righteousness in my heart to want God on God's terms, I want God, but I want God in my box. Right. I want God on a leash. I want God on my terms so that he does what I want him to do, what I expect that he ought to do. If it were up to me, we wouldn't have the Bible because so much of the Bible is counterintuitive to what my heart right. and my flesh want. I would say, well, the animal sacrifice, that's, that's horrible. It's, that's gross and disgusting. We're literally and, like 90% of the so things in the Old done. Testament. The, the right. wiping out, you know, women and children right. as part of the, the putting nations under the band. Well, that doesn't seem nice. So, you know, we're going to get rid of that. We'll just have them, which is kind of what Saul does yeah. in, in, in first Samuel, Saul, you know, slaughters the men and, well, these are good animals. We'll keep them and sacrifice them to the Lord and, and distribute them. And we'll, you know, the king, we'll keep the king and, and you know, we'll show our dominance here. But when we do things according to our understanding, it's always bad. And, and it does not match what God does because our flesh does not understand things the way God understands it. True. So anyway, as we see this idea of his power, um, you know, we started the service looking at the familiar passage from Isaiah 9, uh, that we see, you know, it handles Messiah. It comes up every every year. Uh, and I had that stuck in my head after you said that. <laughs> and, you know, it, as you look at how it is, there's a, there is a picture of the salvation that comes primarily not in, in the redemption 
Um, but the primary picture is the salvation from all this sinfulness, that, that uh, when the Christ returns, uh, all of the injustice will be wiped out. So here's, here's what he says, and this is, you know, 700 some years before Christ is born. Uh, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. Well, that sounds like a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles. We recognize that as as, uh, where Nazareth is, where Jesus is growing up and where he spends his time. Uh, He'll honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And that not only describes, you know, first century Roman, uh, Roman, you know, Levant area throughout the entire empire, but also, can you get a better picture of today walking in darkness? Right. We are so lost in darkness, uh, so caught up in this land of the shadow of death. And yet in the, in the coming of Christ, um, the, the, uh, the dawning occurs, right? We see this uh, great light coming. And so often in Scripture, the picture of God's glory, uh, the manifestation of His glory, is, is in light and fire. And uh, you know, even in the tabernacle, we, we see the same uh, Shekinah glory idea. The star that leads them to Christ is piercing the darkness with this light. Mm-hmm. It, when we see the angels show up in, in the fields of, uh, with the shepherds, the whole place is filled with light, right? When we when we look at the end, when Christ reigns in power, we're told that we don't need a sun or moon anymore because the Lord himself will be the light. And, and this is a pretty huge idea. So the people uh, in the darkness of our sin and our own understanding uh, have now seen or, or you know, speaking prophetically, the, this uh, prophetic tense uses past, uh, to speak about the future as if it has already happened. <clears throat> Those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Okay, so you can see why this was a specifically Jewish or specifically uh, Israelite Hebrew uh, prophecy that you're dealing with. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. plunder. Notice also this doesn't happen with Christ's first coming. Right, they they want to kill him, not yet. Well, actually, Herod does, but you know, eventually he is crucified. Uh, In the end, when the enemies of God are defeated, there will only be rejoicing in the new heavens and new earth. When we when we see what's going on in Revelation, especially you know the picture that we get from nineteen to twenty two, twenty one and twenty two is what happens when the new heavens and new earth are are here and Christ is reigning directly. Um, Picking up verse four. The prophet says, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. This is speaking of the freedom uh, that will come from Christ in redeeming his people, Israel. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. So before we get to to the rest of, of this, how does this happen? When there's a war between two parties, it doesn't, you don't have a peace that occurs because everybody all of a sudden says, you know what, this is dumb. We're, right. we're going to stop fighting now. We're just, let's, let's just, you know, to steal from John Lennon, let's give peace a chance. Let, you know, let's stick flowers in our gun barrels and we're going to just walk away. That has never happened. Right. Not, not ever. You know, you could, 
maybe see a glimmer of that in the Christmas Armistice in World that, yeah. War One, and, and the Red Baron doesn't shoot Snoopy and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you have not listened to that Snoopy and the Red Baron, go find it. It's I'm not a sure must it's historically listen, accurate, but... but it is brilliant. Anyhow, uh, so all things Snoopy and Charlie Brown, brilliant. As we're looking at this, how do we get to this place where every warrior's boot is is burned? When all of these things are are no longer necessary when the God of all creation reigns, right. when, when all of the enemies are wiped out. How do you get to this total peace? Through absolute surrender, through absolute domination of the strong over the weak. Now, this sounds terrible to our ears, right? We, we don't want the domination of the strong over the weak, but we are talking about God. Perfect righteousness, perfect judge. He's going to go on to talk about that in the rest of this section. So, uh, and, and more through the other prophecies, specifically of Isaiah, but throughout uh, all of the Old Testament prophets, prophets, we see this picture of the Christ who will come in this way. So, uh, familiar, familiar part, verse six and following. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. So the, the ruling, the reigning, will be his responsibility. All of the government will be on his shoulders. Not just, you could hear that and say, oh, ruling Israel. Yes, but more. All the government, which we'll see in just a moment. <clears throat> and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Uh, NIV renders it Wonderful Counselor. Uh, R.C. Sproul and other scholars would point out that the use of it here, as well as uh, the, the use of Wonderful in other places, uh, would indicate that that his that his name would be called Wonderful and Counselor is a separate thing, that these mm. are two separate things. In any case, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. This is an, an empirical sort of thing. You're, you're talking about, <clears throat> and they would clearly understand this as an empire building type thing, that, right. that the government will be on his shoulders and the scope of his government will not stop. There won't be a limit to to what he reigns over, either in scope or in duration. So the, the increase of his government is the increase of peace. As Christ reigns, the division, the strife, the warring ceases because he dominates the enemies of God. Continuing, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So we've seen the, the scope, we see also the duration, and we see in the, the closing verse of this particular stanza of the prophecy, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So then when we fast forward to Matthew, I'm sorry that I'm talking so much. It's, I'm you know, this should, I should be letting okay. you do this. Um, we get to Matthew. We find uh, in Matthew chapter 2, and our, our theme verse for this week was uh, two, verse 2. Um, it wasn't our memory verse, but it was our, our theme verse as we were looking at this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who was who has been born king of the Jews. We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. And, and I took more time on Sunday than I wanted to on the nature of the Magi. Uh, but coming from the east, coming from, from what would have been the Babylonian Empire in the past, having uh, had uh, century of, centuries of exposure to the Jewish scriptures, the prophecies that have been there, both Daniel's prophecies and from the other prophets as well. 
um, there is a full expectation among these Gentiles, these Gentile pagans, and perhaps these are God-fearers, God-fearing Gentiles in this particular case, but that would not have been normal for the Magi. Uh, Based on their response here, it seems to be more than merely an intellectual curiosity because they come, they worship him, they offer him, uh, they offer him these gifts uh, that are uh, significant as royal gifts. Uh, And I think that the Christmas carols do a pretty nice job of developing the idea of those gifts. Um, We have so much in our traditions that have been passed on from, from, you know, the hagiography or the, or the um, human man-made things with all this history of the, who these three magi, these three Kings are, there's no indication here that there were three. We, we associate that because there are three gifts that is not, that doesn't mean anything. We, we know it's plural. That's all we know because magi is a transliteration from the Greek magoi, the plural of magos. So we see this this picture that there's there's a plurality. Right. Is there three? Who knows? We don't we don't know. We're just making that stuff up. It don't matter. Anyhow, that's exactly right. It doesn't <laughs> matter. Um, but the point is, these uh, men who were of a, a royal priesthood of sorts uh, in the Babylonian Empire and, and in that heyday. Uh, have continued. They're they're older than that empire. They've lasted past that empire. Now they're coming from the east, uh, ostensibly not Jews, but they recognize that one has been born king of the Jews. They've uh, they're they're astronomer astrologers that was kind of blended together back then. Uh, so they're they're watching the stars. They see significance in the stars. They're so they're honed in on this prophecy. Right? They're they're seeing it. Verse 3, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. He called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, and he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. I tried really hard not to read that with a a drippingly sarcastic voice because I have a tendency to read it that way. I can't really help it because uh, this, yeah, I mean, he he has no intention of worshiping the child, but understand that the it's clear here the intent that they are coming to worship a king of greater significance than Herod because right. there's no record of them worshiping Herod. Right. They, they don't they don't come and say, oh, mighty king, let us worship you. Now let us go and worship this one who will later on someday replace you. He's born the king of the Jews. He is born not to be later the king of the Jews. He is born the king of the Jews. The, the idea of that threat is clearly revealed in Herod's response, right? right? Cause he's, he's not going to be threatened by somebody that's going to take over after I die. Right. Now, maybe he will, maybe he'll, you know, be wanting to protect the line for his, even though sons. he kills all of his sons, also. he does have a tendency <laughs> to kill off his sons because there's a, a threat. Right. And so he's killed family members uh, already. <clears throat> you know, we're not going to spend the time reading it, but he, he's going to kill all the babies in Bethlehem, which, you know, depending on your, your depiction, if you've seen movies that depict this, there aren't that many, but when you see them, um, this horrific nightmare of it, there's, if it's one, it's a horrific nightmare, but just doing the math, if this is a town of 
500 and you figure how many women are having babies and how many of them are having them during this two-year period that he's killing. So maybe you're talking about 30, 30, maybe 50 max. That, that That's still that's un- a lot of babies. That's, that's an unbelievably horrifying thing. Although we here in America alone have been killing how many millions of babies, you know, since, uh, since Roe versus Wade. And now we're pushing to kill more. I mean, that, that's, that's been the backlash of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which was terrible law, which is terrible morality. It, it, everything about it steals the soul out of our society. But we've doubled down on it. Now we've said, well, we don't want to just have it be, you know, you know, make, you know, each state can make their own laws. We want to work really hard to push for more murder of innocent children. So let's not stare down our noses at, at, uh, at Herod as some horrible thing. He's protecting his own interest by murdering innocents. Isn't that exactly what we've been doing for generations now? This is a horrifying thing. And, uh, anyway, that, that's not what the podcast is about today, but this is a pretty, pretty important deal for us to, yeah. to be able to recognize that the Christ was always to reign in power. Now, when we get to um, Revelation 19, we see the, the one who is faithful and true arrive with this uh, name that only he knows. And then uh, there's a, a name that we all see that's written on, on him on his robe and on his thigh, King of kings and Lord of lords. We see in Philippians 2 that he's humbled himself and therefore God has exalted him to his rightful place where he has the name that's above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. These are the things that happen in his second advent when he returns to rule and power. And, and that was always the thing. He was always going to come. He was always going to save his people from their sins, not universally save everybody because then there would be no purpose for his judgment later. But he's going to save those who are his, that God has given to him. And as he saves them, he is present with us. He he hasn't left us in the dark. He hasn't left us abandoned. He is here with us and comforting us, and he's going to return to reign in power. Okay, I'm going to cut off our... our, uh podcast there because it's going to stop. So bye everyone.